0: Good morning, everyone. Everybody doing all right? Yeah. Okay. Did everybody get some chocolate this morning? Who had at least some chocolate today? Raise your hand. Be honest. Wow. That is a much smaller number than I assumed I would see. Wow. Well, I feel bad for all of you. (laughs) I didn't have any yet, but I do have a Hull's cough drop, so that's pretty cool. All right. um, It is great to see you. It's great to be with you. Uh, Just as a general note, Um, like, I I really enjoy the energy and the service, and we want that all the time, and, like, when I speak, it really helps me if you give me, like, a little feedback. This is not in the script. They're all going, where is he? But anyway, um, it's just nice to have that, so if you feel like saying amen or, you know, something like that, feel free. If you feel like saying, hurry up, get done, you know, feel free, say that. Um, The text that we're going to be using today is from Mark chapter 15 and 16. And uh, if you were at the Sunrise Service, then it's the same text, but um, it's going to be different. And so I would encourage you, if you were not at the Sunrise Service, which, by the way, was incredibly cool, but if you were not at the Sunrise Service this morning at the park, then I would encourage you to go online sometime this week and, and get that message um, because the messages are completely different. I'd say 75 to 80% of the, the content is different. But I felt like I couldn't decide which one, Um, and so I feel like both messages may have something for you. So if you listen to this whole thing, you're like, wow, that was totally useless. Then listen to the other one, and uh, maybe we'll get something out of that. So um, I'm going to tell you a quick story. Uh, We do not remember this girl's name. I don't know if we ever knew this girl's name, to be honest, Um, but she had long hair. So that's kind of, maybe it was Rapunzel, I never thought of that, but anyway, um, I don't think so. So uh, <clears throat> we lived in Costa Rica and Venezuela for a while as missionaries. And our youngest, Nate, uh, was just a little dude when we went. And he's like super fair skin, blue eyes, blonde hair, cute, so cute. He looks kind of like his mom, fortunately. So um, we, uh, he would always get attention. Like he would just be walking down the street and people would go, Ay, qué guapo, you know, and they would like, Pat his head, and the good news is he was cool with that. He was totally cool with that. Um, But the the interesting thing was like when he was at camp, they would do the same thing. So we were at church camp like for a week long of camp, and it was like a camp for mostly teenagers, but Nate was there as well. Um, So anyway, uh, we had this swimming pool there, and the Venezuelans, a lot of them call it the nest tea pool because it was like brown. The water was brown. I mean like brown. And so it was not supposed to be brown either. That was not the plan. But it just was. And so you couldn't even see your feet. You know, it was that dark. And um, Nate was in the pool, hanging out, playing with the kids. It was more like they were playing with him. He was kind of like a beach ball, you know, just passing around, you know, having fun. Well, something happened. And suddenly, Nate, was invisible. And the next thing we knew, we heard this really loud scream. A girl, ah! you know, a huge scream. And on the back of her head was this little white kid hanging onto her hair. <laughs> and she screamed because of his weight upon her. But it was a matter of life and death honestly. And I'll bet she would do that again. Today's message is obviously about the resurrection of Jesus. His death and his burial and resurrection are the centerpiece of history. And our hope for this life and life forever are available because of Jesus. As we look at this familiar story, I think God may have some new application for our lives. Now, to be really honest, the first part of the message may be a little painful. It may even sound a little harsh, but hang in there with me. I believe God wants us to hear it. I know he wants me to hear it. Easter's message is a hopeful principle. God brings life from death. But that means that before true, vibrant, exhilarating, authentic life, there was death. Again, in Mark chapter 15, we're going to start in verse 42. All this happened on Friday, the day of preparation, the day before the Sabbath. As evening approached, an honored member of the high council, Joseph of Arimathea, who was waiting for the kingdom of God to come, gathered his courage and went to Pilate to ask for the body of Jesus. Pilate couldn't believe Jesus was already dead, so he called for the Roman military officer in charge and asked him. The officer confirmed the fact And Pilate told Joseph he could have the body. Joseph bought a long sheet of linen cloth, and taking it down from the cross, he wrapped Jesus' body in the cloth and laid it in the tomb that had been carved out of the rock. Then he rolled a stone in front of the entrance. Mary Magdalene and Mary, the mother of Joseph, were there and saw where Jesus' body was laid. The next evening, when the Sabbath ended, Mary Magdalene and Salome and Mary, mother of James, went out and purchased burial spices to be put on his body. Jesus, who had been very much alive, was now very much dead. The professional executioners who knew dead confirmed it. And Jesus didn't die because he was guilty. He died because we were. Yet because of love, as harsh as this may sound, Jesus needed to die. Jesus needed to die. It's a hard but a real spiritual truth. Sometimes living things need to die. Jesus said, if anyone would follow me, he must take up his cross. That means this. I am ready and willing to die to myself and to live for Jesus. Now, that's the part of Jesus that's not the popular message. We don't like that part quite as much. But it's essential if we're going to have real life. As we think about things that need to die, living things that need to die, I'm just going to mention a few examples. There may be some in your life that are different. But for some of us, our plans need to die. Our plans need to die. Proverbs 16, 9 says, The heart of a man plans his way, but the Lord directs his steps now don't misunderstand planning is important in Luke 14 Jesus talked about the foolishness of being able to finish a tower because you didn't plan you didn't count the cost that it was going to take so plan with the end in mind that's that's true But it's even more foolish to think only of earthly plans. See, in addition to this tower story about planning, Jesus told another story first in Luke 12. He said, A rich man had a fertile farm that produced fine crops. And he said to himself, What should I do? I don't have enough room for all my crops. Then he said, I know. I know what I'm going to do. I'm going to tear down these smaller barns of mine, and I'm going to build some great big barns, and then I'm going to have enough room to store all of my wheat and all my other goods, and then I'm just going to sit back and cruise. I'm going to say to myself, my friend, you have stored up enough for years to come. So now just take it easy. Eat, drink, and Be merry. That doesn't sound like a horrible plan. I mean, you've worked hard. You've saved. You've done well. Your retirement plan is in place. There's one problem. Jesus continues the story. But God said to that man, "You fool. You will die this very night." Then who will get everything you worked for? Yes, a person is a fool to store up earthly wealth but not have a rich relationship with God. Instead of planning on our own and for our own selfish desires, we need to plan with God. Proverbs 16.3 says, commit your work to the Lord and your plans will be established. So you commit things to God, and that's where your plan comes from. So ask questions like, God, is this your plan? Or what plan will benefit not only me or my family, but other people? See, that's exactly what Jesus did for us. People shouted, Hosanna, and laid down their coats to line the way and wave palm branches as Jesus rode in to Jerusalem on a donkey, the symbol of a king. But when Jesus made it very clear that his kingdom was not of this earth, just a few days later, those same voices that cried out Hosanna cried out crucify him. see, that was God's plan all along. Jesus came to earth to die for us. It wasn't easy. You know, he even asked his father if there was another plan. Can't there be some other way? But in the end, he said yes to God's plan instead of his own. And he did that for others. He did that for you did that for me we are the ones who benefit from it we need to be more like jesus we're better off and so are those around us when our selfish plans die now some of you are thinking honestly dude you do not know what you're talking about my plans are just fine thank you very much would you just hurry up and finish i would like to go to lunch I would like to go to lunch myself. I I would completely admit to you that I do not know what I'm talking about. That's possible. But God knows what he is talking about. And if we place our plans in front of God and his plans, then we have another issue and that's pride. It's been a a problem since the Garden of Eden. Sometimes our selfish pride just needs to die. You know, I personally, I can rely on myself rather than looking to God for wisdom. I don't know if you can relate to that. Sometimes we get so confident in who we are and what we can do that it comes back to haunt us. Golf legend Arnold Palmer tells this story. Here's what he says. It was the final hole of the 1961 Masters Tournament, and I had a one-stroke lead, and I had just hit a very satisfying tee shot. I felt I was in pretty good shape. As I approached my ball, I saw an old friend. He motioned me over, stuck out his hand, and said, congratulations. I took his hand and shook it, but as I did, I lost my focus. On my next two shots, I hit the ball into a sand trap, (laughs) then put it over the edge of the green. I missed a putt, and I lost the Masters. You've probably heard pride goes before the fall, right? It's from the Bible. It's a shortened version of a longer verse. Part of the reason that pride leads to a fall, is because God opposes the proud. If you're proud, you are setting yourself up in the face of God and saying, I got this. God opposes the proud, but He gives grace to the humble. The night before He died, Jesus was with his best friends to share an important meal called the Passover. And everyone's feet needed to be washed. (laughs) But they were all too proud to do that. That was the job of the servant. And they were not servants. So Jesus washed their feet. All of their feet. What does your pride keep you from doing? Who does your pride keep you from serving? We need to be more like Jesus. We're better off, and so are the people around us, if our selfish pride dies. Sometimes our our bad habits need to die, too. The other day... um, I needed to know what time it was, so I looked down at my wrist. There's one thing about that that was a little strange, though. I haven't had a watch since 2001. <clears throat> now, obviously, checking your watch isn't a bad habit, but it points out this truth old habits die hard. So, kill the bad habits now. The sooner, the better. A good way to win is to replace those bad habits with good ones. Let me just talk about one area. And again, you can apply this, let the Holy Spirit speak to you in your areas. But if you are like me and you have the bad habit of eating food, even when you're not hungry, use that as a trigger. So rather than eating food when you're not hungry, use that as a trigger to pray for people who don't have food. Or instead of crunching on potato chips, do 10 crunches for your abs. Or instead of eating a handful of M&Ms, do a handful of jumping jacks. Instead of going to the refrigerator for some food you don't need, go to the Word of God for some food you do need. Whatever your bad habit is. Let God replace it with something positive. See, we're better off, and so is everyone around us when our bad habits die. Following Jesus means becoming more like Jesus, which means some living things need to die. And that's hard for us to hear. Some of us right now, you're wrestling with it. You know it. So let God win. And here's the good news. Real life is born out of death. Jesus died and came back to life so that we could have life, real, abundant, eternal life. And he proved he had the power to do it on a Sunday 2,000 years ago. Mark continues the story. Very early on Sunday morning, just at sunrise, they came to the tomb. On the way, they were discussing who would roll the stone away from the entrance to the tomb. But when they arrived, they looked up and saw that the stone, a very large one, had already been rolled aside. So they entered the tomb, and there on the right side, a young man clothed in a white robe, The women were startled. The angel said, Do not be surprised. You were looking for Jesus, the Nazarene, who was crucified. He isn't here. He has been raised from the dead. Look, this is where they laid his body. Now go and give this message to his disciples, including Peter. Jesus is going ahead of you to Galilee. You will see him there, just as he told you before he died. Christ is risen. He is risen indeed. Christ is risen. He is risen indeed. See, just as Jesus came to life, some dead things in us need to live. Just as bad habits need to die, good habits need to live. So so water them. Feed them. Exercise them. Ask questions like this. Can my life be more significant? What good habits can literally change lives for good, maybe even for eternity. One good habit for all of us is to walk side-by-side side with Jesus and side-by-side side with other believers. And over the next nine weeks, we're going to be focusing on that very idea. See, when you spend time with Jesus, you become more like Jesus, and your bad habits are replaced with good ones. Easter reminds us that something hopeless becomes hope. From death comes life. If God has the power to raise Jesus from the dead, he has the power to change your habits and give you life. We need to be more like Jesus. We're better off and so are those around us when our good habits live. The message of the resurrection is all about life, eternal life for our souls. Absolutely. And we're going to talk about that in just a minute, but I think sometimes we miss the life God designed for us here on earth. He created you with a specific purpose and with passions. Discover what those are, grow those and use them to increase God's kingdom. God invested in you. How are you doing? How are you using that investment? Jesus told a story about a master who gave money to three servants for them to manage while he was gone. Two of them put the money to work and had a nice return on his investment. One servant took what the master had given him and he buried it in the ground. The master returned and asked how they had done with what he had given them. The master was obviously pleased with the two who had used this investment well and had brought a return for the master. He was very displeased with the one who took this investment the master had given him and just put it in the ground. If God gave you something to produce more for his kingdom and all you've done is bury it, It's time to get out the shovel. Amen? It is. Dig it up, water it, let it live, let it grow, let it be a blessing. See, we're better off, and so are those around us, when our God given passions for His kingdom are alive. In addition to being who God created you to be on earth be who God created you to be forever. God designed us with a passion for something greater than this life. No matter what drives you here on earth, your true being, who you really are will only be satisfied when you live for God. It's why Psalm 42 says, as a deer Pants for streams of water. My soul longs for you, God. Jesus came to earth to give us life. Abundant life here on earth. A life that changes other lives for his glory. But even more, Jesus came so that we might have eternal life in heaven. See, it's a matter of life and death and life again. Jesus has risen. We truly believe he is alive. We also believe that his death and burial and resurrection can be applied directly to our lives. And we believe that every person must have that happen. As our church's we believe statement says, we believe all have sinned and deserve eternal separation from God. It is impossible for anyone to restore their relationship with God by their own good works. We believe Jesus Christ is the one and only Son of God who led a sinless life, was crucified, and was raised to life. His sacrifice allows us to be seen by God as holy and without sin. We believe the forgiveness of sins and the gift of the Holy Spirit are granted by God's grace through faith in Jesus. That faith is obediently lived out through belief, confession, repentance, baptism, and following Jesus. We believe the church exists to take the good news of Jesus to everyone in every nation to serve the world, to encourage and strengthen other believers. We believe Jesus will visibly return without warning to judge all people. Non-believers will be separated from God for eternity. And faithful believers will spend eternity forever with God. We believe. We believe. We believe this day is different from all other days. Because of it, followers of Jesus see death in the grave differently. His sacrifice and His resurrection give us hope for a significant life here on earth and hope for eternal life in heaven. Though it was written hundreds of years before Jesus came to earth, Psalm 40 is a picture of our ultimate rescue. I waited patiently for the Lord. He turned to me and heard my cry. He lifted me out of the slimy pit, out of the mud and mire, and He set my feet on a rock and gave me a firm place to stand. He put a new song in my mouth, a hymn of praise to our God. Many will see and fear the Lord and put their trust in Him. Have you done that? Have you put your complete trust in Jesus? In a much greater way, Jesus is like the lady, the girl in the swimming pool. See, we tried to stay afloat on our own, but we couldn't, because the weight of our sin was dragging us down. It was an absolute matter of life and death. So Jesus became our life preserver. He took our sin and He placed it on Himself, and when He felt the weight of it, He yelled out in pain. But He saved our lives. And even though it cost him his own life, you know he would do it again. He did it because he loves you. Because of his resurrection, you and I can have life, new life now as a follower of Jesus, and a future in heaven that will never end in the presence of our loving, holy, wonderful Father. Christ is risen he is risen indeed would you pray with me god we are so grateful that christ is risen we are so grateful that out of this death out of this pain out of this suffering out of this agony out of this misery out of the dust you brought life you brought hope you brought purpose you brought passion God, if there's someone that is here today who has never embraced that life, who has never said, I've been walking my own way, I've been doing my own plans, I've been following my own desires, I've been proud and thinking that I could do all this myself, but I need you. God, if there's someone here right now, I pray that you would be speaking to their spirit. They would today say yes to life forever. God, for all of us, I pray that we would try to follow you more closely because it benefits us, brings glory to your name, and it it benefits everyone around us. What a great way to live. We thank you for that. God, you make beautiful things out of us. And we thank you. So right now, we just pray. And we thank you. And we tell you that these hearts that we tend to guard for our own things really need to belong to you. And that these lives that you've given us need to surrender. And our old, unfortunate, broken person needs to die and, and be raised anew. And that's for every single one of us, Lord. Thank you that. You give us hope. You give us life. You forgive. You change. You empower. Thank you. In the name of Jesus, we pray. Amen. I can't think of a better day to be reborn than Easter. If there's somebody here who has never said, you know, I I just, I need to surrender to you, God, just, you can do that. You can come up. We can talk with you. We can pray with you. You can say, I was going my own way. I need to just follow you. I tried to do this on my own. I can't. I need you. And you can have the hope, the assurance that your sins are washed away. You can connect with the death and the burial and the resurrection of Jesus as you confess He is Lord, as you pray for forgiveness, as you are baptized, again, symbolizing His death, burial, and resurrection, and as you come up, a new person reborn for the Lord. There are some things in our lives, that are alive, that need to die. And there are some things in us that have been dead far too long that God wants to resurrect and bring to life. Wherever you are, whatever you're doing, whoever you are, surrender that right now to God. It's a matter of life and death and life. Let's stand as we surrender our hearts to God.